Homestyle Green, episode 78. This week we're talking eco-habitats with designer Leslie England. G'day and welcome back to another episode of Homestyle Green. I'm Matthew Cutler-Welsh, the host of the show. And this is the podcast all about helping people make a better place to live. And I caught up this week with Leslie England, who's an architectural designer, and her business is called Eco Habitats, which is all about making very good places for people to live. And really encouraging that lots of people are getting in touch with Leslie for that reason. And it's a great name, which didn't come by accident. So listen in to find out why she's doing what she's doing and how she's going about it. Before we get into the interview, though, just want to uh, have a quick shout out to our sponsor, that is Nodora, and you can check out everything you need to know about ICF, which is Insulated Concrete Forms. Very good way of building and just one of many alternatives that are coming onto the market. It's quite exciting that there's a lot of different options out there if you thought building with treated timber and uh, the, the traditional way of doing things as we have done for the last 100 years with the only way to build, then think again because there are lots and lots of other options and ICF is a very good one of those. And Nodora is a very good flavour of ICF. So have a look at energyefficientbuilding.co.nz and the uh, authorised distributor of Nodora here in New Zealand now also has its own Facebook page and Twitter page. So have a... Check out of facebook.com slash Nudora NZ. That's N-U-D-U-R-A-N-Z. And also the same Twitter Twitter tag, N-U-D-U-R-A-N-Z on Twitter as well. Now, Leslie England is a Homestar practitioner and a Homestar assessor. And I have been privileged to have had a look recently at some of her work. Very excited by what she's been able to produce and thought I should get her on the show and have a chat about what she's doing. So as always, I started out by asking Leslie why she does what she does. Um, well, I do what I do because um, basically when I came to New Zealand, I was pretty shocked at the low standard of um, homes in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, and I didn't realise when I first arrived that how common it was to right. live in cold cold damp homes. You just you just thought you picked a really bad one. Yeah, I was house sitting for someone, so I thought, oh, it'll be all right. It's only four weeks. Yeah. So, and then the next one I moved, I moved into was the same, and the next one after that was the same. So um, yeah, I got into it because um, I um, want to help improve the standard of uh, New Zealand homes and try and get rid of some of the problems we've got, so we don't keep repeating them. So. So when that when you came to New Zealand, you were you were from the UK, but you weren't a designer there, were you? Like a house designer? No, I was a product designer over in the UK. So I um, yeah, I worked as a product designer in the UK, and then I came over to New Zealand and worked at Fisher and Paykel um, right. for a little bit. Yeah, um, and then I ended up um, studying again. And taking a diploma in, in architectural technology and got myself a job as a technician. Yep. 
and I found that the crossover between the two jobs um, was was it was an easy transition because I was used to doing manufacturing drawings, and then obviously the industrial design degree that I got in the UK um, has helped from the design side as well. So um, yeah, I was working for someone else, but I wasn't getting any challenges. So I started up my own business, and I hope to get uh, good opportunities to design design homes, and that's when I. I got introduced to Homestar when I was at Unitech by one of the lecturers there. Right. And I started looking into it when I set up my business and um, went on the Homestar practitioner course and stuff. So. Now, when you jumped over to architectural design and did that course, what, what year was that? Um, 2000, oh, 2009. So slap bang in the middle of uh, global financial crisis. Not a, not a yeah. huge amount of building going on then. Were you were you a bit nervous? I was a bit nervous, and I did get told by told by one of my lecturers at Unitec just stick with the career you've got. You're on a decent wage. It's going to take you a while to get get to the you know the the same level of wage as what you're on now. Is that right? So, they they tried to talk you out of it. Yeah, one of my lecturers did, but the other one said go for it because yeah. you'll pick it up really easily because of your experience as an industrial designer and product designer. So, um, yeah, I just um, I wasn't happy with the product design. It wasn't um, in New Zealand. You don't get as much freedom um, with your design work. So, um, yeah, I just jumped in and uh, took the risk and it paid off. So. And yeah. I, I've had the privilege, I've, I've seen some of your work. Obviously, you've got a bit of a, a flair for it in, in designing houses. Was it something that you'd thought about in the past or had you sort of been thinking that you'd stay on that industrial design pathway? No, it was something that I considered when I was um, thinking about what courses to study at university. And the one thing that put me off uh, studying an architecture degree was the fact that you didn't get qualified so you were 25, seems right. like quite a way off when you're 18 years old. So yeah. at 32, I went back to studying, and it's quite ironic, really. So, but it doesn't. It didn't take you that long, did it? I mean, the architect, you did architectural technology. How long is that course? Yeah, it's a two years full time. Well, I did it um, while I was working uh, working full time. So I did it wow. as a part part time. So in the evenings. Um, so yeah. It took me three years in total. Right. And off the back of that, now you've got your own business and uh, up and running with a full set of clients. Yep. Yep. I'm starting to, I've been up and running for over two years now, coming up to three years, and I'm starting to get a a good reputation from clients that have dealt with me in the past. A lot of word of of mouth work. So, yes. It's good and starting to see now people coming to me specifically for eco-friendly design, which is a nice, nice recent change. That's great news. And wh- how has that happened? Tell it, tell it, because a lot of people want to get into that. I, I think. How has that happened for you? Um, well, basically, when I tied it in that I did environmentally friendly design. But it wasn't all the queries weren't in relation to that. So at the home show last year, I rebranded as Eco Habitats to make it more specific 
are more obvious to people that um, I was somebody that they could come to if they wanted um, an environment, environmentally friendly home. So what was your, what was the original name? Uh, Lone Pine Design. So, right. Yeah, so that kind of ticks away because I've still got a, I, I get occasional um, I get word of mouth work from that, but um, Eco Habitats is, 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 the, is the main business now. So all, all in the name. So a, a name change and that, that set you uh, yeah, and instantly recognisable as, as eco design. Yeah, and specific, um, you know, advertising. I advertise in the Green Ideas magazine and I do the Go Green Expo and I'm in the, um, the Green Urban Living Hall for the Auckland Home Show. So actually targeting the people um, who are interested in finding out a little bit more. But I'm keen to also try and educate people out, out there that um, if they knew a little bit more, um, then they would appreciate the fact that, you know, if you want to live in a warm and healthy home, then it, by default it becomes eco-friendly. So, How's that? Sorry, what was that? How, how, just explain that a little bit. If you, if you live in a warm and comfortable home, how, how is that by default that more eco? Yeah, well, it's something I've come to realize more over the last year or so that if you put in a little bit of extra insulation and you make sure you've got good moisture control and you orientate it towards the sun and make the most of the sun's energy, Put in, um, make sure that your windows are orientated and at different levels so you can make the best of natural ventilation, then you end up living in a home that's warm and healthy, but by default, it's better for the environment because you're not having to heat it as much. And, yeah, so a lot of, yeah, it's basically stuff like that. So do you find that those things that you described is comfort and health the motivation generally or do people say oh i want to be environmentally friendly um well for the people that don't want to don't even consider the environmentally friendly side because they assume it te- it's going to cost a lot of money yep i tackle that from the point of view do you want to live in a warm and healthy home because yep. i think there's you know and you like yourself there's there's big inadequacies with the building code yeah yeah but um yeah with the with the people with other people that are are interested in the environmentally friendly side then that they already know the benefits so um it they're targeted a little bit differently and do you subscribe to that belief is that true that a more sustainable house is going to cost more a more sustainable house does cost a little bit more, but not a, a massive amount. And I try and say to people as well, if you want want to live in an environmentally friendly home, you can do it kind of like from a modular approach. Yep. So um, I advise people to put their to invest in the bones of the house, the structure. Yep. You know, put in a little bit of extra insulation because it's not very often that you're going to have uh, your wall linings. Um, you know, you know, you're not going to remove your wall linings very often. Hopefully not. Uh, yeah, exactly. Unless <laughs> you're doing a major alteration and addition. So I say to people, spend the money on the things that you. It's hard to change in the future. Yep. And if you, you know, and maybe you know, 
whole fire on that 20 30 grand um kitchen that you've always wanted and put in a put in a budget kitchen to start with but make sure that the home is the right size for your needs and and all the uh, materials that go into the bones of it are, are good environmentally materials that don't have you know that have low toxicity and stuff like that mm-hmm. so because also you can add um solar panels nowadays that are modular as well so you don't have to invest in a 15 20 grand system you can spend fifteen hundred dollars and get get a panel on the put on your roof that will probably just power your fridge and then you can keep adding on to that yeah so so you can get started yeah. on the path and and spend money where it's going to make the most difference early but then keep improving as you go rather than yeah basically so you know if, spend the most money on the stuff that you can't change in the future make sure you've got the spaces you need yeah yeah so, What's uh, you've mentioned a few already, but what do you see are the biggest problems with New Zealand houses? Um, I think with, um, there's quite um, obviously a lot of people go to the big housing companies, and I think one of the biggest problems is that uh, people go and look at a set of designs and they choose one, and they're not advised uh, specifically. You know whether whether or not that home's going to actually work on the site that they've bought. So right, so they're looking at a show home, but they're they're looking at that home for a piece of dirt that's somewhere else. Yeah, I think there needs to be a little bit more responsibility taken by the people selling the homes to make sure that the right design is chosen by the client, or at least it's um, it's adapted to suit their site. So that they, you know, so that their living areas and everything are orientated more to the north. Obviously, not every site's perfect. Yeah. There are ways of adapting designs so that you can make sure that that design works the best for for your site. So, I think quite a lot of it. I mean, if you don't if you don't get a house orientated right, then it's it's flawed from the start because a lot of the areas are going to need extra heating. So. Yep. Yep, and and you really need to get a an architectural designer or an architect or someone who understands those concepts in a in a bit of detail to to get that right, as opposed to just leaving it up to a. Because I see a lot of these group home builders that essentially designs being done by salespeople. Is that is that part of the problem there? I think yeah, I think it is to do with uh, part of the problem, and I think the way that we need to tackle it is by educating the consumers so they that they become more aware of what they should be asking for. So, you know, make them more aware of Homestar, and make them more aware of the issues, and just educate the consumer. And then the more they start um, asking, more the more consumers start asking the same questions, the more the bigger companies are going to have to start listening and, and um, tackling the issues and, come into the party basically so do you find that you have to do a bit of um, client education or are the clients that are coming to you already fairly educated at the moment the clients that are coming to me are, are fairly educated i've been pretty lucky um <laughs> or, or, actually, or just good or you're branded well <laughs> yeah i've got one guy at the minute who's actually wanting to target a 10-star home so Ooh. 
perfect client. Um, big ambition. Nice. Right. Yeah, that is ambitious. Very yeah, ambitious. So we've, we've discussed that there's only eight-star homes out there, and we're like, well, we might as well go for a 10-star home. So Yeah, um, it's a bit of a know. race. It's a bit of a race. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting um, times. Yeah, so I find it quite hard um, to educate um, people that are not. You know, I had an inquiry the other day, and on the phone I was trying to explain to them why I'm different and um the benefits of yeah. of the extra you know the extra services i offer but unless people give you the time to actually sit down with them it's hard to it's hard to um get the point through to them so i mean i found that i'm a member of a business network and even though i stand up for 60 seconds every week to explain what i do when you sit down one on one with people it's quite surprising how little they've actually taken on boards. Right. And, right. Yeah, and, and, and a biggest issue is I think people zone out because they just assume it's going to cost them heaps. And it's, you know, you know that green, going green means you have to be a certain kind of person, you know. Um, people don't associate that going green means, you, you know, you're going to live in a healthy, warm home. So... It's uh, trying to change that mindset. Right, and, and bringing it back to those comfort, health, warmth, rather than the, the eco and the green. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and then if they, you know, it's kind of a byproduct the way I, I see it at the minute. So you kind of have to tackle, tackle it from depending on where, you know, where that person's coming from, what their requirements are, so... Now you've said something interesting there that you are have joined a business group. Is that uh, why did you do that? Oh, it's just to because um, I I joined it in my first year of being in business, uh-huh. just to do a bit of networking and to become um, you know become familiar with some of the business owners in my area. So, and I found, although I don't get heaps of referral from it, because obviously it's not very often people build a home. Yeah. I found it's been very useful just from the point of view that you have a lot of people who have been in business a long period of time who can offer you advice. So, and so you, you also end up with a good resource of people, like they've got electricians and plumbers. Yeah. So, so it's not can... necessarily networking with other designers. It's just business people in general. Yeah, networking with estate agents and um, tradespeople and home loan people. Right. So, oh, yeah. That would be handy. Is that something that you'd recommend to other sole practitioners similar to yourself? I think... Um, I think there's definitely benefit in educating the um, estate agents and making them more aware of what you do. Yeah, right. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna uh, yeah I'm finding that once you sit down with them and explain a little bit more to them, they're quite keen to learn a little bit more about Homestar and stuff like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, that's um, good news. So, yeah, so that's I'm gonna start. Um, Get, in, get into, I'm actually keen to see whether in the next few weeks I can 
arrange presentations at the local estate agents companies and run through what Homestar is about. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I'll be keen to do that and, and see what the response is. So. Well, that sounds like you're taking some uh, good proactive steps there to uh, to get out and educate the whole market. That'd be awesome. Now, you've mentioned a few things about uh, some, rec- some specific recommendations, but for those that are considering their own new home or a renovation, what are the top three things that people should should think about with a, with their own home? Um, well, I think you need to work out. I mean, obviously, a problem in New Zealand is people get a bit, little bit greedy for space. Mm-hmm. So I think people need to sit down and actually work out what their space requirements are. Um, some people, the the people that come to me from the environmentally friendly uh, perspective, are aware of you know the benefits of consolidating spaces and and having a smaller home over a larger home. Um, but I have to make um, I have to make other clients aware of it. Just yeah. make them question like, how often are you going to really use that space and yeah. Um, and just you know, make them aware that if you if you if we can get the layout to work more efficiently, then you could end up with a a smaller home that's going to cost you less to build, and then you can spend it on you know the materials that go into it, or even better, put that money aside and don't spend it all on the home. So, um, so yeah, I I, I do question the people's need uh, for the different spaces, um. And then okay, so size, one. size is the first thing to think about, and and yeah. number of rooms. An orientation is a big one. I find that people come to me with a little for alterations and additions, and they have a kind of an idea of what they want, and they are not aware of the benefits of orientating. You know, spaces that you spend a lot of time in uh, to uh, towards the north. So, um. Is yeah, that, is that like, hard to – how do you communicate that? Oh, it's just um, – yeah, it's – I like – well, if you communicate it to them from a point of view that they will um, need to heat their house less, um, then, you know, it's in kind of a practical ways that they, 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 get, they get the message, but – Oh, some of them have like lived in homes before, and they've realised that those homes worked a little bit better, and they kind of click the, what the reasonings were for that. So, right. yeah. But it's yeah. essentially it's, it's a conversation. You, it's not showing them on a drawing, or or do you show them saying at sun angles and and shadow diagrams or anything like that, or is it is it just talking it through? Yeah, I do do service studies for people um, just to show them. Um, how those spaces work. So if they've got a specific requirement um, for a space to be somewhere, and I think it's going to compromise uh, the layout and how you know how they're going to get the benefit from the sun, then I'll do a bit of a solar study so I can show them in like say the worst months of the year how bad it is, um, you know how bad it is, and how yep. how little light gets into those areas. So uh, it's quite that- useful. Right, so is that is that more powerful than just describing it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, because they can actually like see the sun coming in and out or not coming in and out. So, right, and, and then you know, I give them a little um, AVI file so they can run through it 
in their own time and also oh, so, it's so it's a movie yeah you can create a movie with the software i use so you just create a movie and then you send it to them i nice. had a recent recent one for a home in in uh Cleveland, and we were concerned about um because there's no currently no home on the neighboring site so we're concerned about what impact their home could potentially have on shading yeah for so we basically like a model that the worst case scenario taking it to the maximum height in relation and then and then it was it was good to be able to determine the optimum position of her home on the site so so is that looking at if somebody comes along and builds right in the future next to them yeah, so in the future, two stories, um, pushing it as far to the boundary as possible. So, because she she wanted to be able to protect her views as well. So, it kind of right. important decision to position the house further back on the site. So, um, which had implications of making a smaller a rear garden, but the uh, the outdoor space was ample anyway, and she was quite happy to have a a large front garden. Where she could plant native trees to dampen the sound from the traffic on the road. So right, right. So yeah, it kind of informed the decision um, of you know. Whereas I would have probably put it in the middle of the site. It informed the decision for us to push it back further in the site. So the software and stuff that we can use these days is really powerful. Yeah, right. So, and and so. And, and I guess if if somebody else was building on that site, they they might just try and maximise the whole thing and put a a whopping great house slapping in the middle. Um, whereas you were able to show where the sun might be, not even after that house is built, but other future houses might be built and how that might affect that, and end up with a a good result, hopefully for for years to come. Is that how hard is that to do these days? With I mean, what software are you using? Um, I use Rivet software, so um, yeah, it's pretty reliable for the solar studies. I mean, basically, what you do is obviously, if if there's a home plan for that site, then you can actually do a rough model of where that home is going to sit and stuff. Yeah. But I basically do worst case scenario, so assume that it's going as far, you know, the the the, the maximum amount it can be is permitted. To go, yep. you know, the closest it can to the boundary and stuff like that. Yeah, well, you, so you never know yeah. what's going to happen next door. Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> so size, orientation, um, anything else? Uh, the materials are a key part, I think. Um, yeah. Especially with there's a lot of there's a there's a big mix of materials out there available, and uh, different standards, different prices. And the key thing is to make sure you, where possible, you can get eco-friendly materials, i.e. materials that are healthier. So, um, yeah, especially like I was saying earlier, the ones that, uh, you know, like the wall framing and the jib plasterboard and stuff like that and the insulation. Um, yeah. I mean, yep. if, you can't, if you can't afford to put... Um, you know, some nice sustainable timber overlay flooring in, you know, initially, then why not go for bare concrete? And then when you can afford to put the overlay flooring in, um, do it then. So, yeah. And and are people pretty open to that? Because that's kind of um, bordering on that, 
more uh, that's more to do with in the environmental impacts rather than comfort, isn't it? Or do people see that there are health implications to that as well? Uh, no, they see the health implications to it. Um, I think a lot of people are, are aware of the of all the of the issues with the old um, CCA, um, you know, treated timber and yeah. stuff like that. Because yeah. of you know the, the the magazine articles that have been out and about. So um, I think people are more aware of that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Especially like it, I mean, it's a long-standing issue, isn't it, with with building materials. We we put something in it, and then we realise a few years down the line that it's actually not healthy thing to have, like asbestos, and yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah. I and think you, and you mentioned people are pretty aware of those issues. And so. you mentioned CCA, and there's a lot of that in if you look at a typical timber frame construction these days. There's a lot of uh, treated timber in there. Yeah, I mean, um, nowadays it's it tends to be the the boron treated timber, but there is still a lot of CCA. Um, I was talking to one of the suppliers of uh, uh, sustainable timber, and he was saying there's um, there's still supplies just you know stockpiled out there of the CCA uh, treated timber. So unless you specifically say on your drawings that not to not to uh, use it. Use it in the home. There's no guarantee that you you won't get it. So, right. So there's a good tip. You should get people should get their designers, or if they are designing themselves, they should they should specify non CCA. Yeah, so actually specifying the drawings H1.2 boron treated, and from an FSC uh, certified source as well. Right. But yeah, that's one of the uh, companies that I've been talking to recently. They they specific because it's probably it's quite hard to get hold of Douglas Fir, um, for a whole home for timber framing. So yeah, right. Forced into a situation where you have to use uh, pine, then at least make sure it's a H1.2 boron treated because that's quite a low toxicity. So right, yeah. Uh, oh, good. Oh, well, that's uh, that's good to know. Um, and I'm 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 pleased you mentioned the um, the solar modelling because I've seen some of your the 3D renders you've got done as well and I was going to mention that as a is that useful as a design or a sales tool or is that kind of icing on the cake at the end when you've done your done your plan? Oh, it depends on the client, but I do tend to at the at the very least I don't necessarily produce uh, fully blown photorealistic renderings um, for all my jobs. But what I do do is I create um, 3D bird's eye views for to enable the client to be able to understand the spaces and how they relate to each other. Yeah. I find a lot of people don't understand, um, like, you know, a 2D drawing. And also I give them a um, 3D PDF at times, but they find that hard to manipulate and stuff. So... The best thing to do is to take the roof off on the model and just show people how it looks from a bird's eye perspective. They right. seem to be able to understand how the spaces relate to each other a lot better when I do that. So Now, um, when you say people, be honest here, is there a difference between males and females? Um, it's a, yeah, no, it's a little bit of both, to be honest. Right. Uh, 
haven't noticed that um, it's specifically females that have less understanding of the spaces or the males. Well, I have noticed it tends to be the females that drive the project forward. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They They're the real decision makers. Yeah, they do tend to be the ones if 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 you don't if you don't have the the female uh, on board, then yeah, it it tends to be them that have the final decision. And, and and does that give you as a female designer? Does that give you an advantage? Do you think? Yeah, I think I have had a recent situation where they said they chose me over the other person they got um, to provide a fee estimate for the job because she felt comfortable more comfortable dealing with a female designer. Yeah, right. so, oh, that's good. Good, good. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I, I think um, the what you've hit on there with using those tools that are out there and so available now with the, the sun modelling in Revit and getting some outdoor renders done, I, I just think is so powerful and makes so much sense to, to do a spend a little bit more time at that early stage because you could save a whole bundle um, later on when someone walks on site and says, oh, is that really how it's going to look? When yeah, you, know, you could. It's so easy to to create that visually now, before anyone uh, moves anything or starts actually building. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I will if I've got a client who um, who wants to have a look at a different concept that they've had in their mind, and even if I don't think it's going to work, I will sh- I will quick do a quick model of it just to show them, just to eliminate. Um, you know that, so they never have any doubts. So they're not stood on site going, mm, "Yeah, no, it works," but I don't know whether the idea I had would have worked better. Right. So yeah, I mean, do you, do you, you use can... do you SketchUp at all or anything like that, or do you, you do you use Revit for everything? I, I do use Revit for everything actually. I tend to do a lot of initial sketches just by hand, and then I get into Revit um, and get stuck into getting this because I tend to as well. Is use the you know the form follows function. Yep. So are you you know how the space is going to work on the site, and then I often find that that starts dictating the shape of the building, and then creating some really cool features. And I kind of look at it from a sculptural point of view. Yeah. Uh, so I get those spaces working together, and then you know, and then see how how. How it's uh, you know like the mountain road one I've done because I had specific uh, restraints on it because of the uh, with it being a small site and the height in relation to boundary issues. There's actually quite a limited number of ways I could uh, orientate the house, and then it started creating some really cool um, features as well. So it's just a case of recognizing them and then enhancing them and and you know. Uh, playing on them rather than ignoring them. So nice, nice. Sounds like art, a sculpture. Yeah, yeah. So it, I do think there's a little bit of that, eh? Because it's just an arrangement of spaces. So, but fundamentally, for me, the most important thing is to make sure that the the spaces inside work. Um, yeah, I, I, it's like a bit of a jigsaw to me, mm-hmm. you know getting it all to fit together and solving a puzzle because sometimes, you know, it doesn't quite work out, but I always keep persevering because there's always a way, so. There's always a way. Yeah. Nice. Hey, um, have you got a favourite book, Leslie? Um, 
This is um, one of my favourite books um, while, I, while I was studying, actually, was the, um, the Form, Space and Order, a book by Francis uh, Chi. So, Form, Space and Order. Yeah, just um, explains um, all the different ways of creating spaces, and it's just a really cool book. It's got some really cool sketches and images in it of different architectures, so... Uh-huh. Yeah. That's that's great because what you were just talking about then that that people I think often say I, and I hear that about it's important to make spaces work together and work well but I think the how to actually do that is is quite tricky yeah you know, that's the the skill and the art of good architecture and architectural design is is actually making that happen so uh, yeah that'd be that's a, a great resource to uh, for people to check out if uh, if they haven't already. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool book. So nice. Hey, um, where can people get in touch with you, Lizzie, if they want to find out more? Um, if they can give me a ring, um, or check out my website. I'm going to be at the home show as well. Um, in a in a four weeks time. Awesome. So the Auckland home show. Wants, yeah, if anybody wants to uh, arrange to sit down and have a chat with me while I'm there, that's cool. So. Just you can just go online to the home show website and book an appointment. So uh, and, and and you're on uh what's your website? It's uh www.ecohabitats.co.nz. So Brilliant. And your email and phone number, all your contact details are on there. So yeah, we, will, we will we will link those up in the uh in the notes for this show. So Thank you very much for your time, Lizzie. Appreciate uh, coming and chatting to me. Probably the last thing you feel like doing in the evening, but uh, <laughs> never mind. I really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, hopefully you get, uh, keep getting more and more busy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, using Homestar as a resource has definitely uh, made an impact on um, on how well um, things are going. So oh, good to hear. Continue to, hear. to do so, so. Excellent. All right. Keep up the good work, Lizzie. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thanks, Matthew. And that was Leslie England from ecohabitat.co.nz finishing up there. Some uh, really good points that Leslie made there. First of all, great that she's getting some lots of business simply because of her name and people coming to her because they want an eco-style house. I think that's a really, really positive sign. I'm very excited that more and more people are asking specifically for that. And in terms of delivering that, the, the three key points that Leslie brought up there was size. That's great to hear. Orientation. I think we all know about that, but can't be underestimated. And then the materials. And again, this is something that I'm excited to that more people are starting to think about. What's the toxicity of this environment that I'm creating and, and how can the the choices that I make in the in the materials and finishes that I use, the paints, the um, timber, all those sorts of things, the linings, the carpets, how can that, how's that going to impact my health of, of myself and my family? So great to know that there are people like Leslie out there who can answer those questions and, and provide you with a home that is not only warm, dry and comfortable, but also healthy to live in because that's what we all want really, isn't it? 
Um, so that's pretty much me. Oh, and the other, sorry, before I go, the other thing that I did really like about Leslie and, and privileged to be working with Leslie uh, through the Homestar process at the moment as well was the use of her drawings and, and the 3D renders that she's got. And I think that's a really important aspect as well. If you're a designer or an architect out there, um, it's great to think about ways that you can communicate your vision because not everyone can visualise a, a 2D drawing and, and really think about how that's going to look and, and how the space feels inside. So if you have got access to a, um, someone who can do some 3D models, definitely worthwhile. That's it for another week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to check out Nudora if you are looking at doing a new build or a renovation. And thank you very much to Nudora for helping us bring this show to you. You can contact them, 0800 Nudora. That's 0800 683 872. Or check out energyefficientbuilding.co.nz. Thanks very much and go make a better place to live.